This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 290. This podcast is brought to you by CEP Compression. CEP is for the pressure that helps you win. Check out their latest tall compression sock, the 3.0, with an updated look, upgraded fit and feel, thanks to a blend of 16 yarns with the same best-in-class compression, now just a little bit easier to put on. Visit cepcompression.com and use the code MARATHON for 15% off from now till August 31st. This podcast is also brought to you by Drip Drop ORS. It's an electrolyte powder developed by a doctor to treat dehydration. Try it before a run, after a workout, or when you need to recover from drinking too much and feel instantly better. Go to dripdrop.com and use the code MTA to get 20% off any purchase. That's dripdrop.com and use the code MTA. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we empower you to go the distance. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we tell you all about our summer ultramarathon Sufferfest in the mountains of South Dakota and Montana. Plus, Coach Angie will explain how to effectively go from marathon to 50K. And don't forget, you can get more help and support in your training. Learn about Academy membership when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. All right, so a little update on our travels I think the last time we podcasted, we were in Lewistown, Montana, right, Angie? Yeah, we were at my dad's house, I think. Yeah, so we uh, we spent some time in the state. It's always great to be in Montana. Went on a couple killer hikes, and of course, I did my 50K, which I'm going to tell you guys about on this episode. And now we are in Washington State, visiting my family out on the coast near Port Townsend, Washington. Both Angie and I have done 50Ks recently, and we will give you guys all the thrills and the spills, all the guts and the glory, everything. We'll try to distill it down for you guys and give you some tips as well. Before we jump into that, I'd like to give some shout-outs here to folks in the community. So, Angie, what do you got for us? Yeah, we'd like to say congratulations to Heather from the Academy. She did the Mount Hood 25K. She says, I fell a lot for some reason, but I got fourth place out of 36 in my age group. It was a gorgeous day, and the scenery was beautiful. So fourth place in spite of falling a lot. That's interesting because, you know, it really sucks to fall, of course. It happens to just about every runner at some point, especially if you're going to do trail runs. But to fall multiple times in one race, I think I like to hear the the full story about that. (laughs) Well, it just shows that she picked herself back up and continued on and, you know, was able to finish strong. That's right. This note comes from Jamie Ann. She says, this is belated, but I'm happy to report I successfully finished my first marathon, Grandma's Marathon in Duluth, Minnesota. I faithfully followed the MTA beginner's plan. It was certainly not easy, the training or the event itself, but it was so worth it. A huge thanks to Angie and Trevor for the resources. My goal was to finish injury-free, and I finished in 4 hours and 29 minutes and felt surprisingly good. I didn't hit the wall, physically or mentally, so I consider that to be a huge success. I also recovered quickly. I wasn't even all that sore. I could manage the stairs in my home, which is more than I could say after my first half marathon. Thanks also to all of you with your encouragement and inspiring stories. Two years ago, running was completely new for me. I never dreamed I would ever think of myself as a runner, but it's simply amazing what one can accomplish with time, determination, and consistency. All right. That's what we love to hear. Congrats, Jamie, on finishing your first marathon. It sounds like she felt better than she did even after her first half marathon. Judging by the stair test, every runner can take the stair test after a race. (laughs) That's right. See (laughs) just how tough the race was. That's awesome. Keep up the great work, Jamie. 
And this note actually comes from one of our awesome MTA coaches, Coach Jennifer. She says, here's a post for anyone who's trying to make a comeback after a little racing hiatus. Due to a stubborn injury and crazy busy kids' schedules, I haven't raced a triathlon in a little over a year. Saturday, while on vacation, I snuck away to give it a go, and I walked away with third overall female. I was four minutes off first place, and the first place finisher was 27 years old. She says, I'm 46, by the way. I would say that's the beginning of a fun comeback. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing, Coach Jen, and leading by example out there, and congrats on the third place finish. This note comes from Sue. Says, I signed up for MTA coaching in February of this year with the goal of completing my first marathon healthy and injury-free. And since moving to Switzerland three years ago, I figured it was now or never with so many great marathons here. I had my goal set on the Zermatt Marathon in the Alps with a total of 1,800-meter climb. I was extremely nervous about achieving my goal as I wasn't a fan of running uphill and I haven't trained in elevation before. MTA Coach Dom prepared me the last few months really well for the race. I completed it this past weekend with a total time of 6 hours and 30 minutes in high spirits and injury-free. It went so well that I already want to sign up for another race and start improving my time. I want to thank MTA Coach Dom and the MTA community for the inspiration and energy. It was definitely the highlight of this year. That is really awesome. Congrats, Sue, on finishing your first marathon and. She chose a tough one with all that elevation gain, and what an amazing place to run a marathon. I've been eyeing that one for a while, the Zermatt Marathon in Switzerland. Sounds amazing. So congrats, Sue, and keep up the great work. Well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. Now that I'm well on my way, well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. Okay, so on this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about our 50k races that we just did this is our special 50k sufferfest extravaganza episode angie are you are you excited or what um (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that title is a little bit bloated but sure i'm ready (laughs) well remember it was supposed to be the ultra marathon mountain chub rub but you i vetoed that one too shot that one down (laughs) so this is going to be a double feature because we have two races to tell you guys about Plus, we'll also give you a roadmap for how to go from marathon to 50K if you want to do an ultra. So I just recently did the Divide 50K in Montana. And about two weeks before that, Angie, you did the Black Hills 50K in South Dakota. So let's start with your race. What can you tell us about the Black Hills 50K in South Dakota? Well, I chose this particular race as my South Dakota race in my quest to finish a marathon in all 50 states. There were a couple other options in South Dakota that had been eyeing for a while, but this race was just too convenient to pass up with our current travels. And it landed exactly one week after my Michigan marathon. So my goals going into it were not to get lost and to stay fairly conservative and listen to my body. Good goals. So having just run a marathon a week previous to this 50k did you have some reservations about signing up for this or how difficult it would be you know if there'd be enough time to recover in between races yeah I think anytime you take on a big challenge like a marathon and then a week later a 50k there is some doubt and uncertainty in your mind and I heard a great quote this week said a little uncertainty is part of the process Mm -hmm. and I think that's great because anytime you take on something big especially if it's something new or a little bit scary, you know, it's normal to feel uncertain. Um, It's actually not very healthy to feel overconfident about things because sometimes that's when we get ourselves in trouble. So yeah, I was a little bit uncertain about it, but I've done races close together before. And I knew that I was just going to listen to my body. I didn't put any pace pressure on myself, any time pressure. 
you know, I just wanted to finish within the course time limit and have a good time out there. And so I really feel like I was able to accomplish that objective. So what did you do or not do in the week in between those races? I believe we did a couple of small hikes in between, um, and I maybe did a couple of short runs, but I think I rested after the marathon for at least two days of total rest other than just a little bit of stretching and light yoga. Um, so I, I was feeling pretty good, but then on some of the downhill sections of the 50K, I could really feel it in my quads, and I thought, yeah, I can kind of tell that my body's t- not totally recovered from the marathon yet. I also scheduled a massage three days before the race when we got to South Dakota. I contacted someone local and set up a 90-minute massage. So I feel like that really helped just work out any soreness and you know help me feel more limber and, and healthy going into the race. And the 50K event was part of multiple other distances they offered. They had a 30K, a 50-miler, and a 100-miler as well. So we arrived in town um, coming from Michigan before the race on Thursday, and we stayed at the Sturgis RV Park and Campground where they were doing packet pickup. So that was very convenient. On race morning, they offered busing to the start line from the city park because it was up in the mountains. And so the 50K bus left at 6 a.m. And it was really nice because it was completely light pretty much by like 4.30 in the morning. So by the time the bus left, it felt like, yeah, let's do this thing. It didn't feel super early in the morning for me, but it was already warm by that early in the morning. So I thought, oh, this day could get really hot. It was about a 45-minute bus ride to the start line. And when we got to the starting area, it was located near the aid station at Dalton Lake. And they had a few porta pots set up. There was a couple of camper trailers for the volunteers. The sun was already feeling very hot, and we had over an hour wait until the 8 a.m. start. Um, but as we waited, there were several hundred milers coming through the aid station, and we were able to cheer them on. And that always puts things in perspective. You know, you kind of maybe feel a little bit daunted by the distance ahead of you. Like, it's going to be hot. We've got 31.1 miles to run. But then, okay, here comes a hundred miler. And they have been running since yesterday, all day, pushed through the night. And that put my suffering in perspective, <laughs> or my dread of the coming suffering. So what do these people look like who were coming through? It varied. Um, A lot of them had pacers with them. So usually the more spry person was the pacer. And some of them, you know, were were doing good. It looked like they were really tracking well and they still had some spring in their step. Um, They would sit down often and and get some food and something to drink and change their shoes and socks. Um, Some of them looked a little bit worse for wear which I can imagine would be me after being awake all night. (laughs) It was definitely inspiring to see them and what they were going through. So you mentioned that the bus left at 6. It was a 45-minute bus ride, but then once you got to the start line, you had to wait around until 8. Meanwhile, the day is getting warmer and warmer. Did you think, okay, how about we just start now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, several of us who had been dropped off by the bus were wondering about that. Like, let's let's get going before the day even gets warmer. But apparently some people were driving to the start line and or had camped in the area and they weren't going to arrive till closer to eight. So So was there shade or anywhere to sit? No, people were sitting on the (laughs) ground. (laughs) There wasn't much shade. Um, Horse flies were buzzing around. So yeah, it was for an hour. It was a little bit rugged. It's all part of the fun, folks. That's right. See, since this is the Sufferfest episode, you got to have some hardship in it. <laughs> we will wring some hardship out of this one way or the other. We want some horsefly bites. We want <laughs> blisters. We want some ultimate chub rub. We want it all. 
So the Black Hills area of South Dakota is really gorgeous. The name Black Hills actually comes from a Lakota word meaning Black Hills because from the distance they look dark and covered in trees. If you ever go to the area, there's just so much to do. We could have spent probably our whole summer there because you have all kinds of great trails. There's Wind Cave National Park, which we barely knew existed, but really fascinating, huge underground cave system. And then there's all kinds of old west towns like Deadwood, Plus, you got uh, Mount Rushmore's in the area and... The Crazy Horse Memorial. So, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. What was the course like and how did it go? Well, the 50K distance was a point-to-point course, and 95% of it was single track following the Centennial Trail. And the Centennial Trail is 111 miles. It was, I believe, uh, started in 1989. It was marking the 100th anniversary of South Dakota statehood. And it crosses prairie grassland near Bear Butte State Park. It climbs into the Black Hills High Country, goes around lakes and streams, and it actually ultimately reaches Wind Cave National Park near Hot Springs, South Dakota, where we had visited the day before. So it's an extensive trail. Obviously, I only ran a small fraction of it. But the starting elevation was 4,455 feet. There was a total of 3,891 feet of climbing. Um, There were five creek crossings, one of which came up to over my knees. And I always find the first creek crossings or anytime you get your feet wet for the first time to be a bit daunting. It's like, oh, you know, there's something in you like, no, I don't want to get my feet wet. (laughs) Yeah, because then you have to run in wet shoes the rest of the day. And that's a recipe for blisters a lot of times. Yeah. So they had ropes strung across the crossings to hang on to since the creek bottom was a bit slippery and the water flow was fairly strong, especially when it was coming over my knees. But after that first creek crossing, the cold water actually felt very refreshing because it was a warm day. And thankfully, my trail shoes dried quickly. And, you know, I'm just really able to enjoy the course, the beautiful views in the mountains, the valleys, trees, a few cattle out there, and, you know, not worry about my wet feet. The aid stations were located approximately every seven miles, and they were well-stocked with fueling supplies and the usual great ultra-food offerings. They handed out these collapsible cups at packet pickup to cut down on the number of disposable ones that they would use out during the race. Um, the race email said, quote, in reality, if you're running an event like this, you should probably have a liquid carrying vessel of some sort on your person. We really don't care if it's a collapsible cup or an empty beer can that you scavenge from the bed of your truck, but we would strongly encourage you to carry something reusable to drink out of. Just doing our part to save the planet, one cup or beer can at a time. Um, So I stayed very conservative with my pace the first half. I didn't really pass anyone unless they were hiking uphill more slowly than me. Uh, because I thought, you know, I don't want to just kill myself in the first half of this race and then regret it later, especially just coming off the marathon. And I remember looking at my watch about midway through and thinking that I'd already been out there longer than my last marathon. (laughs) Which was only a week previous. Yes. So that was um, kind of like a moment like, wow, I've been out here a long time and I'm not even halfway through. Um, so I kind of had to like refocus my mind at that point. I was enjoying being out on the trail. My time really didn't matter. And I was really able to keep my headspace very positive. One challenge I did have was I kept rolling my right ankle several times, Mm. which really hurt. It'd be like, ah, you know, just like shake it out. 
But fortunately, it didn't really seem to interfere with my ability to run. I just kind of kept going and it didn't hurt any worse. So that was positive. I also caught my foot several times in the trail and managed every time to keep myself from falling. It's like that really ungraceful where you do like this windmill thing with your arms and then you catch yourself and you're like, phew, (laughs) that was close. (laughs) So I had the kids with me and our plan was to show up on the course and cheer you on. And I wanted to bring you some kind of snack because it would be around mile 24 when we would find you and perfect time, you know, to give somebody a Mountain Dew or something like that. So we went out to mile 24, which was the final aid station at Alkali Creek. And we got there at around the four hour mark because I figured that's about when you'd be coming through. So when we got out there to the aid station and we didn't see you, I texted you at 1032. I've got the text log right here. And I said, how's it going? Nothing. (laughs) And I'm like, well, her phone skills are not the greatest. <laughs> so My phone skills, I mean, I'm not attached to the hip to my phone. It's like, it's a servant to me. I'm not a servant to yeah. my phone. So I always keep the volume off. So I'm just... So when I need to get a hold of her, it's like impossible. <laughs> <laughs> no one's died. So you didn't reply back until 1247, like two hours later. So we're waiting two hours, which is a long time based I, on when I thought you were going to come through there. I didn't ask you to wait that long. <laughs> <laughs> I and I finally heard back from you. And here's what you said. I'm at mile 23. It's hot. I keep turning my right ankle. And I'm thinking, oh man, she's going to come through here and just is going to be in rough shape. You know, maybe she'll want to drop out of the race. Like how bad is her ankle going to look? And then when you got closer, you had a huge smile on your face like you always do when you're out there running. So I knew everything was going to be okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that text, I was just being very brief, like giving you (laughs) like the vital signs, not necessarily, you know, it was just like leaving out anything superfluous. So I didn't mean to make it sound so dire. (laughs) So yeah, it really, it was really helpful to be able to see you guys. And I didn't get passed by anyone in the last eight miles. I was able to make up some ground. And for the final mile, the course came back off the Centennial Trail into the town of Sturgis to the finish area in the city park. And I was actually able to pass several people. And my final mile was my fastest at a 945 pace. So my finish time was actually seven hours, 41 minutes, 44 seconds. Um, It was my third 50K and my slowest to date. But, you know, you can't really compare necessarily different courses because there is all sorts of different challenges that they can present. And I think I came in 34th out of 96 50K runners. Nice. The 50-mile course had 62 finishers. The 100-mile course, they had 41 finishers. And the 30K had 93 finishers. So there was a good number of runners out on the trails that day. Okay, so Angie, you are fresh back from your 50K after a long, hot day. It only took you 10 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Felt like 10 hours. I don't know what the official time was. 7.40, something like that. I don't know. Well, it's amazing because it was not easy going out there. But um, you're standing up right now, and you look, I mean, you're completely, you know, look like you just came fresh off the trail with lots of trail grime, but... You say you're actually feeling pretty good. Yeah, now that I don't have to run anymore and (laughs) I'm out of the heat, I feel pretty good. (laughs) So what was the hardest part about today, do you think? The heat definitely took a toll on me. How how soon into it? Well, we had to wait about an hour and 15 minutes before we even got started. So they had bussed us up to the start location, and we had to wait there for an hour and 15 minutes in the sun. It felt (laughs) already like it was 80 degrees. I don't know what the temperature was. That's crazy. So I was already hot before we started, 
and then yeah, then starting to climb up some places were not very shaded, so the heat definitely took a toll on me. I think that was the toughest part because I mean the scenery is amazing. Um, the trail was nice. I mean it was single track. The Centennial Trails is a great great place. Who are those good-looking young men that brought you a Mountain Dew, a cold Mountain Dew at mile 24? I don't know. I think their last name was Spencer or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Be forever indebted to them for remembering that I like Mountain Dew during ultra marathons. <laughs> Helped propel me the last, whatever, Six seven miles. or eight. Seven miles, seven, yeah. Yeah, miles. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so now we got back to the camper, and I took the kids to Taco John's for lunch. And they have tater tots there. They call them potato oles. And one of my kids had some leftover. And they're cold now, but they're like crispy and salty. And how does that taste after running 31.1 miles? Amazing. <laughs> Maybe the best thing I've tasted so far today. <laughs> well done, Angie. So proud of you. So they didn't give out medals. Every finisher got a mug and a t-shirt. But Angie, did you see that they had for the first place finishers like this massive cow head? Yeah, it was like a painted uh, cow skull, like the horns and everything. Yeah, with like polished horns. Yeah, it was really amazing. And apparently they give out one of those if you complete each of the race distances. So if you do the 30K, 50K, 50 miler, and 100 miler, then you get one of those as well. Because I was talking to some people and this one guy had done three of the distances and I think, like, the only one he hadn't done was the 100-miler. So he was like, I've got to do it, you know. <laughs> got to get that cow skull. Okay, you're going back. <laughs> Three more times? <laughs> <laughs> we need one of those on our wall. I think it was awesome. I think it'd be cheaper to buy one. <laughs> How many of you guys think Angie should run the 100? Raise your hand. Look at all those hands, Angie. I don't see any hands. <laughs> nope, don't see anything. <laughs> well, big congrats on finishing your summer 50K in such great time and checking off another state on your 50-state quest. Now all you have left, as far as your 50 states go, is... Drum roll. I have New Hampshire, and I've scheduled the Manchester Marathon in New Hampshire in November. I have Hawaii, and I'm scheduled to do the Revel Coolia Marathon in January. And then I still need to nail down Connecticut and Vermont, so... Getting it's in close. the works. <laughs> Next year, I think you're going to finish. Yeah, I, I really hope so. So in just a minute, Trevor is going to tell us about his first 50K. But first, we'd like to thank uh, podcast sponsor CEP Compression. I actually wore compression socks during my 50K, and I'm so glad I did. They are very supportive for your lower legs, especially during longer races where you start to just feel that fatigue build up. I also really like them because they tend to protect your lower legs for when you're running through brush. And with CEP, their quality control process consists of 27 different checks to ensure that their products are built consistently. So you know when you're putting on a pair of CEP compression socks, they're not only going to help you perform better, but they are just obsessively engineered. Each CEP compression sock has 6.2 miles of yarn and compression thread. So they're going to give you consistent compression to the calf to reduce fatigue and help you start your recovery process. Yeah, that's right. I wore my CEPs during my race as well. And from my knees down, my legs were great. So I might have to look into some compression for the knees up too. Now. <laughs> Get some tights from them. You guys can check it out at cepcompression.com and use the code MARATHON for 15% off from now till August 31st. 
Check out their latest tall compression sock, the 3.0, over at cepcompression.com and use the code MARATHON for 15% off. So I know people are excited to hear all the details about your first 50K, Trevor. Um, Tell us a little bit about this race and what your mindset was like going into it. All right. Well, I'm excited to tell you guys about it. It's called the Divide 50K in Butte, Montana. I had never really spent that much time in Butte, but it's actually a cool city. It's got like a lot of unique features. Of course, it's a mining town where a lot of copper mining was done. So the mountains like totally stripped, but they were having a folk festival there. And it's just a really cool town. So I'm glad that we got to spend some time in Butte and the Continental Divide Trail goes right through there. And I've always wanted to do some miles on the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail, which goes from Canada all the way to Mexico along the Continental Divide. It goes for 3,100 miles. Of course, some people through hike it. I think it takes about six months on average. But I stumbled upon this race just looking for a 50K somewhere where we'd be traveling through somewhere in the mountains because I wanted to do a trail race, wanted to take the plunge and do an ultra. I've been thinking about it a long time. So I found this race, I think, on ultrasignup.com or one of those websites. And the website for the race is not very informative. <laughs> so. <laughs> I ended up messaging the race director uh, through their Facebook page. I said, "What is there a course cutoff? Yes, 10 hours. And then a couple weeks later, they messaged me back, you still coming? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, but I'm, I hope I can make the course cutoff. And they messaged back, you will. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like all you needed to know. <laughs> so yeah, beautiful race, very small. There was only about 25 or 26 people that did the 50K, and then some folks did the 25K. My training for this, as you guys can probably imagine, knowing me, was not exemplary. And by not exemplary, <laughs> let's let's break that down a little bit. Let's like tell people what your longest run was. Um, Here's how I usually operate. I sign up for a race and then I immediately start tapering. That's how I do it. <laughs> I am a pro at taking rest days. <laughs> so your last marathon was the London Marathon at the end of April. Yeah, which went well. And, of course, you guys know, listen to the podcast, always listen to Angie, follow her example, not mine. So I signed up for this 50K, and I had every intention of, you know, following the plan. I had your 50K beginner training plan, but just life happened and time got away. and ended up doing basically no long runs. I think eight miles was the longest I did. So I was going into it feeling undertrained. And I think I got a little bit worried because... You kept expressing, like, maybe you should do it instead of me, you know, kind of these doubts. Well, you felt so good after your race. You're like, wow, I wish we had babysitting. I would do it, too. I'm like, "Um, maybe you can just (laughs) do the race, and I'll find one later this summer and actually build up for it better. (laughs) (laughs) I think I kept telling you things like, you're not going to be the slowest person out there. You know, you're not going to be in the worst shape of all the people who will probably be attempting it. I was trying to, like help boost you mentally a little bit with some realism mixed in. I wasn't going to be like, oh, honey, you're going to rock it, you know? <laughs> no, no, of course. Yeah, you know, it's, it goes to show you that if you get up to marathon shape, it's not that difficult to maintain and to jump into a marathon and just do it or jump into 50K and do it, come to find out. You know, if you're not going for time, which I wasn't. Was there anything specific that you did to, I mean, obviously your your body was only in the shape that it was in, um, was there anything specific that you did to you know, help your mental training? Because that's a big part of it as well. It is. You read the book Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, and I read it after you read it. And that was great mental training. David Goggins is a retired Navy SEAL. He went through Hell Week three times. He kept getting circled back because of injury. And uh, then he became an ultra runner. But this dude like totally transformed 
his health, his life, going from like 300 pounds to turning himself into this like ultra running machine and this warrior, this, you know, one of the fittest men on earth. So after reading that book, I'm like, oh yeah, 50K, like if, if David Goggins can get through what he went through, you know, going through Hell Week and in in Navy SEALs training three times, I can get through this 50K. It was excellent mental training. We love to have David Goggins on the podcast. So if any friends of his are listening, <laughs> put, a, put in a good word for us. So the race started in a place called Thompson Park, which is a little bit south of Butte and connects to the Continental Divide Trail. Race start was at 8.15 and it was just relaxed. You kind of just all assembled around the starting line. The director, Chris, gave us some instructions. We also had a, a map and a sheet of instructions that give you turn-by-turn directions, which came in very handy. They were playing ACDC at the start. The race director counted down, and boom, we were off. So the course was mainly starting out single track. It was kind of congested the first mile. There's basically no staff or spectators out there along the course. You're just back in the woods, on these trails, in the mountains, just you and nature, all by yourself most of the day. But they did have little orange flags along the course at key points, you know, to show you which way to go. Most of the time they were there. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned being glad that you carried your map. Um, How did that come into play? Well, I knew there was going to be a tunnel that we ran through because the instructions said that headlamps were recommended. But I don't want to carry a headlamp because I don't want the extra weight and I'll just use my phone or run close to somebody and just get through the tunnel. The rebel and you kicking in? Because <laughs> <laughs> I already had so much stuff I was carrying. I had my Nathan hydration vest with two liters of water. I had two UCAM bars. I had I actually had a pack of Pop-Tarts because I thought... Okay, what's going to taste great at mile 26 as a reward? So I had a pack of strawberry Pop-Tarts. Oh, they were so good, guys. Hope this is not putting a stumbling block in anybody's path here. (laughs) I also had sunglasses and had a rain poncho because it was like 40% chance of thunderstorms. So I had so much stuff to carry already, I didn't want to take it. So we get to this first tunnel, and the runners in front of me go into it. So I go through this tunnel, emerge on the other side, and then I see runners coming back toward me. Huh, doesn't sound good. (laughs) And they're like, oh, yeah, we missed a turn. It's back there. And so we all just turned around and backtracked. And it added like a mile on. And sure enough, I got out my instructions and it said, don't go through the tunnel. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. There's a a turn to the left that none of us even saw. There was a couple little flags, but we just missed it. And people behind us who were coming through the tunnel as we're going back had missed it. I think like half of us missed that turn. And some people just kept going, so they probably finished their 50K with their watches showing that it was a lot less than they thought it would be. <laughs> because they didn't do 50K. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how kind of that herd mentality can kick in, and it's very tempting just to follow runners in front of you, maybe even if exactly. your your gut's think, saying, well, this doesn't seem quite right, or maybe then you just kind of turn your brain off and you're you're not even thinking about the course, you're just following. So yeah, that's that can be a, a big tendency think for yourself rise above (laughs) don't be a sheep so i go back to the turn and i got some sticks and i made a huge arrow pointing the direction that people are supposed to turn because i don't want anybody else missing it right it did show me like how easy it is to just totally space it out and not be paying attention to where i'm going out there when you're running and delirious and hot (laughs) (laughs) so we go across this bridge with a beautiful view of a canyon. The mountains are amazing. The weather is nice and clear. It is a little bit hot. 
but I'm feeling good. I'm passing people on the downhills, you know, power walking the uphills. My mantra in my head was rest on the uphill, which sounds counterintuitive, right? Rest on the uphill. Right. And as I'm running downhill, passing people, because by this time, faster and slower runners are kind of sorting out. Part of me was like, should I just go ahead and pick up the pace while I'm feeling good because I know the day's going to get hot and it's gonna, I'm going to slow down? Or should I try to preserve my legs and maybe not run as fast as I feel like right now? Like, What would you have done, Angie? Um, <laughs> it depends. Like for my marathon in Charlevoix, I kind of took the strategy like I'm just going to keep pushing as hard as I can and let things shake out as they will. And it, it worked out good for me. With the 50K, I was just all about being conservative for the first half. So I, re you know, I really didn't make an effort to pass people unless I was walking faster than them on the uphills. Well, we eventually came to the correct tunnel and ran through it, which was cool. And sure enough, I needed a headlamp because it was a long tunnel. But then a runner came by with a light and I ran with her through the tunnel and we got to the first aid station at 16k and there's just a guy at a table with water and snacks so i grabbed a half-eaten bag of potato chips salt was really tasty got some more water continued on by this time i was getting into my second ucam bar which were still staying nice and solid because i had them frozen from the night before perfect so yeah a lot of you guys know we've been using generation ucan for many many races and now many, ultras many, many many years <laughs> that's right you've probably used it like 50 races by now oh yeah for sure yeah, what I like about UCAN is that it provides nice, solid energy. You don't get the blood sugar surges and crashes. And it's very gentle on the stomach, too. So the combination of having steady energy and happy gastrointestinal system is a winning combination every time. If you guys like to try it, go to generationucan.com. Use the code MTA50K for 15% off. You can also use the code MTA25 for 25% off if you are a first-time customer. So once again, that's generationucan.com. Use the code MTA50K for a special 15% discount. Because we're talking about 50Ks here on this episode. So it sounds like you're doing fairly well physically and you were staying in a pretty good place mentally. What was the hardest part? The hardest part was going up to Homestead Pass, which required just constant uphill. So I was walking it. I mean, there's no way I was going to run that. And it was just taking so long. And then I'm worried about my time, my finishing time, and how late I was going to be out there. And Because no one likes to go slow, right, and in a race. It's a race. And I kept telling myself, is this a hike or a race? Because <laughs> it didn't feel like a race because I was just hiking. But we went up and up, and there's not a soul anywhere. I could have died out there and still be out there, right? <laughs> and there wasn't a plethora of aid stations either. You know, there wasn't really much course support. No, there was basically that one table at 16k and then there was another one at 25k that was the halfway point of course and that was the end point for the 25k runners so you get up to homestead pass of course it's beautiful you can look back and see the city of butte by this time we're on the cdt trail the continental divide trail you can see mountains galore after i went up and over the mountain we started heading downhill lots of switchbacks then i hit the 25k point and at that aid station, they had all kinds of great snacks and stuff. So I filled up my water and grabbed another bag of potato chips. About this time, you texted me and said, are you getting any of this rain? Yeah, the weather was whipping up. The sky got really threatening and started to get windy and dump some rain. And I'm thinking, oh, great. He's up in the mountains. You know, I wonder if this is affecting his progress. All right, I made it halfway. Made it to 25K point. Here in my race, sat down long enough to get some rocks out of my shoes, 
fill up my water, got a bag of salty chips, and starting to head back in. Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to start raining. Clouds are really dark, so we'll see how that goes. Just going to keep moving. That's all I can do. Catch you guys later. So then I have to go back up this mountain five miles the same way I came to pick up a trail that said Beaver Ponds. So it was a loop course, and we only had to backtrack on about five miles of the course, and the rest of it was a loop. But it felt like it took forever to get to Beaver Ponds Trail. It's just five miles, and it took me well over an hour. And so you texted me later and said, how's it going? What what mile are you at? And I had no idea. I was trying to gauge when we should come to the finish line and, and yeah. meet you. Chris didn't want to be there for two hours like you were <laughs> waiting for me. I don't blame you. I wasn't using my watch to track the distance because it always dies anyway. I have an Apple watch and I'm just going to keep it alive for listening to music and stuff. Priorities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I knew that the aid station was at 25K and I knew that five more miles was the turn to Beaver Ponds. When I got to that point, I can have a rough estimate. But then I couldn't do the math in my head because I was running and it was, you know, hot and I was like, had runner's brain. So <laughs> I texted you and said, what's 25K plus five miles? <laughs> <laughs> and about an hour later, you texted back, only 18K. Yay, 11 miles to go. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when it got real. Okay, so I'm out there. It's hot. I'm going really slow. I have no idea what my pace is. I think it would just be even more demoralizing if I looked at my watch and saw what my pace is because my legs are killing me. My back is hurting, probably from looking at the ground and maybe from my wearing my hydration vest for so long. I don't know why. So I'm, I'm just trudging out there, just trudging along. For some reason, my sinuses were all stuffed up and I couldn't hear anything out of my right ear or breathe through my nose. So as, I get, as I'm drinking water out of my hydration pack... I don't have enough suction to suck the water, so I'm having to reach back and squeeze it. <laughs> and I can't get enough water. You ever feel like you're so thirsty you just can't get enough water? Like, I just want to stick my head under a waterfall. You ever get that feeling? Yeah, I have occasionally. So that's how I feel that I, I don't want to waste all my water because that had to make it all the way back. I didn't know if there would be any other aid station from 25K to 50K. I eventually come to this point, around 21 miles, a tree had fallen over the trail and I had to crawl under the tree. And as I was, as I bent down to like crawl under it, my body felt so heavy and gravity was so strong that I just laid back on the trail. I'm like, oh, this feels good. So, <laughs> You're laying under a tree in the middle of the course. <laughs> I was. I was laying down. It felt so good. And I thought, Angie would definitely not do this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was laying there just thinking, if this was just a, a day where I was going on a hike, this would be such a nice rest. But you're not supposed to do that in a race, right? It's like the principle of it, right? You, I mean, there's no rules against it, but it's the principle of it, right? You can't stop and lay down. <laughs> At least that's what I was telling myself. But then I was rebelling against that voice in my head, and I was doing it anyway. <laughs> and then, sure enough, another runner comes up and sees me laying down. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you haven't seen anyone for miles and miles. Yeah, for hours and hours, I hadn't seen another runner. And then one comes up as I'm laying down, and she says... Something about fighting the lactic acid. And um, I got up and then um, we ran together. Her name was Anna from Bozeman. And we ran together for maybe about a mile. And then she went on ahead of me. And I came to another point, Angie, where there was a stream, like a tiny stream that we crossed. And I bent down to splash some water on my face. And as I bent down, gravity got really strong again. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty soon I'm on my belly, leaning over into the stream, splashing water. And then I'm just, oh, I think I'll just stay like this. <laughs> Then I crossed the stream again further down the mountain, and 
Well, you guys know how it went. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of describes how it was going. Man, my legs were killing me. And just like in a marathon, like a road marathon, if I'm really pushing hard, I'll start to get tightness around my hip flexors. And then I'll get like just feeling of lactic acid built up all over my legs. But this time also I was getting cramps on the inside of my thighs, something I've never experienced before. We had about two miles more to go and this guy catches up to me. And he told me that it was his third ultra in 14 days. And I'm like, well, why are you doing that? (laughs) And he said, I just want to see if I have what it takes. Nice. Where have I heard that before? (laughs) Yeah. So we fought on and uh, I finished a little bit ahead of that guy. But I crossed the finish line at around 4.30 in the afternoon. It took me a full eight hours, 13 minutes and 17 seconds, according to the website, race results. So Angie, as you predicted, I didn't finish last, but I was toward the bottom of the finisher roster. Congratulations. What was it like when you finally came across the finish line? Well, of course I ran across the finish line. I ran that, you know, last half a mile. I was really expecting to see you guys, but you weren't there yet. You probably didn't think I'd finish that quick. (laughs) (laughs) It was just low key. I mean, the race director was there and, you know, other runners and they clapped for me as I crossed and gave me uh, my medal, which is the tiniest, chintziest, cheapest looking medal ever made, ever. And you, of course, are a medal snob, (laughs) so that was not acceptable. The medal said, first, and on the back, you are a champ. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's medal said the same thing. But I did find a really cool copper cutout of Montana and swapped it out on the ribbon. So now I have a proper looking ultra medal that I kind of improvised That's right. So if you don't like the medal that you got, make your own. That's right. Rise above. Don't follow the crowd. (laughs) Of course, they had a lawn chair for me to sit in, beer, food. Ultras are really great for that. Lots of of great snacks and just the atmosphere. They're really cool. Just really cool people, you know, telling me great job. And one guy that didn't even run it, he was just there hanging out with the race director, you know, came up and shook my hand. And you guys eventually showed up and Liam, our eight-year-old, he's a little welcoming committee. He like raced ahead and found me. Great job, dad. Great job. (laughs) He's like the most positive person ever. Okay. So we just picked Trevor up from the finish line of his first 50K, the Divide 50K, and thought we would debrief him real quick to get the raw unvarnished truth about how it went. So Trevor, how are you feeling right now? How do I look? Um, I hope you feel better than you look. <laughs> <laughs> I probably feel about how I look. Yeah, it was interesting. I had pain in new places on this run. It started cramping like on the inside of my thighs toward the end. That was a new experience. But it was so hilly, obviously. It's on the Continental Divide Trail. So we were either going up the mountain or down the mountain the whole time. And I pretty much walked all the uphills. But... uh the walking was, you know, just as hard as running. But yeah, it feels good to be done and to have my uh, first 50K accomplished. I don't know if it's fully sunk in yet, so we'll see how it feels tomorrow. I'm sure it will definitely be further sunk in tomorrow, as in sore muscles. Yeah. When we got there, you were kicked back in a camp chair with a beer in hand, looking like you were totally relaxed. So that was, that was good to see. Uh, so you said there was pretty much either all uphill or all downhill? Yeah, the whole time, just constantly going up the mountain or down. <clears throat> but you know what's something weird that happens is my sinuses get plugged up when I do these trail runs. So right now it feels like I'm in a barrel, like my whole right ear. I can't hear anything in it. Do I sound weird? Am I like talking too loud? I don't know. I can't tell. 
you sound very hoarse, like your voice is kind of worn out. Maybe you were singing loudly or shouting in the mountains, I don't know, <laughs> calling for help. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Oh, man, my whole body feels hoarse. Yeah, I don't know, I just got the ultra voice going on. The ultra beard, which is not too impressive. <laughs> and the ultra voice. And I got the ultra wife, the ultra hot wife. Right, Angie? Well, I can't comment on that. It would be <laughs> very vain of me. <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, we think you're awesome, and we were thinking about you all day, so it's exciting to pick you up and see that you finished strong. Thank you for your support. It means a lot. feels good to be done. So yeah, it feels epic to have finished an ultra marathon and to uh, claim that now. And I'm looking forward to doing another one someday. Well, that's that's a great sign for sure if you're ready to do another. So that's a little bit about our races. And uh, for those that are wanting one day to run a 50K, let's talk about how to prepare for one, how to go from marathon to ultra, specifically to the 50K distance. Before we jump into that, I'd like to say a quick word of thanks to Tiger Balm Active for sponsoring this episode. We know that working out is so rewarding, but most of us pay for it afterwards with muscle aches and pains. Especially if you do a 50K under train. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but who does that? <laughs> Thankfully, you won't have to suffer anymore with Tiger Balm Active pre- and post-workout. Their muscle gel gives you this non-sticky, cool-to-warm sensation. It's perfect for warm-up or cool-down. Their muscle spray also will help you reach those hard-to-reach places. And it's great to throw in your gym bag. It's great on the go or take when you're traveling like we do. You can be ready for whatever workouts. Throw your way with Tiger Balm Active, Muscle Rub, Muscle Gel, and Muscle Spray. You can find it at your local CVS or Rite Aid store. Once again, that's Tiger Balm Active. All right, so let's throw down some tips and advice for people who want to prepare for the first 50K. That's right. If you have run a marathon and you're currently injury-free, then a 50K is very doable, as Trevor demonstrated. Um, we actually have a beginner 50K plan over on our website that's 20 weeks in length. It's based on four running days per week and, of course, the necessary cross-training. Actually, I believe you guys can do it even better than I can because <laughs> you will probably follow the plan and not procrastinate like I do. Yeah, that's right. So if you've recently completed a marathon, maybe you're looking to do a 50K either later this summer or fall, the good news is that you, you likely won't need to start from scratch with your training. You can simply jump into the training plan the appropriate number of weeks out from your race and still have great success. And like we talked about, in some ways, training for a 50K is very similar to training for a marathon. The aim is to build on your endurance base and your support structures through easy runs, hill runs, long runs, and of course, core and strength training. And I find it to be very beneficial for people to sign up for a marathon three weeks out from your 50K. And you can use that as a final supported long training run before you go into the tapering period. Obviously, that's not feasible for everyone, but that can be kind of a, a nice training plan hack and break up the long weeks of training. So yeah, we want to talk about how to prepare for your first 50K so you can be healthy and in good shape and really enjoy the experience. The first thing I recommend is to start with a solid endurance base and to make sure you're healthy. Anytime you're looking to go a longer distance, you want to make sure that you're not currently dealing with injuries or starting from scratch with your fitness. So if you haven't been running, if you don't have a good solid running base, now's not the time to take on a 50K. Wait until you have that good endurance base and make sure that you're healthy. 
My second suggestion is to choose the 50K wisely. Ultra marathons are going to vary widely in the level of difficulty depending on a number of factors. So some of the factors that can make them vary include altitude. A race at altitude is going to be significantly more difficult if you don't live at altitude. Yeah, that's another thing that we didn't have going for us. (laughs) Right. I didn't mention this, but my race went up to 6,348 feet. You know, not the highest elevation one can find as far as trail races, but more than what I was used to, for sure. Yeah, that's right. Another factor is elevation gain. So how much climbing are you going to be doing during the race? This can range from fairly flat 50Ks, you know, maybe like a road 50K or a flatter looped course to thousands of feet of elevation gain. So this can vary widely. So make sure you do your research and you read about the race um, so you know what you're going to be preparing for. Another thing that can vary widely is the course. Is it going to be rocky single track? Is it going to be on the road? Is it on a fairly pedestrian like rail trail? There's, you know, gentle loops versus point to point. All those factors can work together to making it a more difficult course. Of course, there's temperature as well. So any extremes in temperature are going to make the experience more challenging, whether it be hot or cold. So, you know, kind of do some research on the average temps during the race. And then, of course, size. How many participants? If you're nervous about being out on the course on your own, you may want to choose a larger race. Um, It can be kind of daunting to do your first 50K and just be out there for hours by yourself. So take that into consideration. And then the final thing that can really vary is the support. What's the amount of support like out on the course? Some ultras are going to have aid stations every couple of miles with spectators, and others will have you running seven miles or more between aid stations. Or they may just have, you know, a few water jugs set out there and you just kind of have to self-serve. So that's another factor that can really change your your first 50K experience. You can always bring Pop-Tarts. Yes, you can. You know, I think that if I was doing a road 50K, it would have been so much tougher because I think one's expected to run more when you're on the road. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to the trails, it was like forced walk breaks. Yeah, there you go. And that brings up another important tip is to train for the course you'll be running. The more you can run in conditions similar to your race, the better you'll be prepared. So this doesn't mean that you have to do 100% of your runs on trails if you're training for a trail 50K. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, drive up to the mountains every weekend to get your long runs in. But if you're exclusively a road runner, then it is vital that you start to experiment on a variety of trail conditions. Trail running can feel like a new skill set when it comes to pacing, comes to your concentration, Uh, your gear and preparation, navigation, just your confidence. So I recommend that people do at least 50% of their long runs on trails if they're training for a trail ultra. Now, my first ultra was a 40-mile road race, and that was a very different experience from a trail ultra. So, you know, like I talked about, just, you know, know what you're getting into and try to gear your training as specifically towards that as possible. The fourth tip is to modify your long run expectations. Trail long runs can be a very different experience from road long runs. Pacing really becomes so much more important, and you need to learn to work with the terrain and manage your energy levels. This means making peace with walking or hiking sections of the course and realizing that you'll be on your feet a lot longer than normal. Walking is often the best strategy for navigating sections of an ultra, and it's much better than pushing your heart rate too high. So don't set pace expectations for yourself when you're training for your first ultra. 
Check. Got that one down. (laughs) The fifth tip is to plan ahead. Trail running takes a whole new level of preparation and awareness. It's important to map out where you'll be running. And if it's a new area, make sure you take a map with you or you take a picture of the map on your phone. There can be times when you get out in the woods and it all starts looking the same or maybe the trails are not well marked. So make sure that you are aware and that you're responsible for your own safety out there. The sixth tip goes along with planning ahead, and it's be prepared. Don't go out into the trails without being prepared with the right gear. Now, this is going to include a hydration system and fuel, especially for long runs and the race itself. Bring more fluids than you think you'll need just in case it ends up taking you longer than you expected. Trevor, you mentioned that um, at one aid station, you filled your, your hydration pack bladder all the way to the brim, and then you kind of felt foolish um, about carrying all that extra weight. Yeah, I told you that story in the car. At the 25K aid station, I filled my pack up, and I wasn't thinking, and I, I filled my two-liter bladder in my hydration vest all the way up. And then I thought, why do I want to do that? I'm sure there's another aid station I can just get more water later and not carry so much. But it was a good mistake because there ended up being no more water for 25 kilometers more of running. There was supposedly a water stop at about 24 miles. There's no human being anywhere. All all it was was five uh, one-gallon water jugs that were totally empty and just left on the ground, you know, and and no human in sight. So I had to make it in with whatever water was on my back, not just me, but everyone out there. Thankfully, I had enough water. I rationed it, and I made it all the way to the end with sufficient water, but... I was pretty much on my last drop when I crossed the finish line. So being overprepared when you're out there on the trails is actually a good thing. So this means that you need to be dressed for the weather, have a headlamp if you'll be running in low light conditions, and also have proper shoes. For some groom trails, you can often just wear road shoes. But if you're starting to get into single track, uh, narrow, gnarly, rocky trails, it's best to invest in some trail shoes and start breaking them in pre-race so that you know how they're going to feel, how they respond out there. Your long runs are also the perfect time to test out other gear like hydration packs, what you're going to need for anti-chafing ointment, gaiters, socks, light layers, maybe a thin rain jacket that you can stuff in your pack. I also like to carry toilet paper in a baggie in case of necessary bathroom stops because you just, you know, you're not guaranteed to find restrooms out there and you just may have to go in the woods. Something that my kids were horrified to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Every kid needs to learn how to squat in the woods. (laughs) That's right. The lost art. Um, The seventh tip is to eat and drink. You're going to need to practice eating and hydrating regularly to keep your energy levels steady. Um, Aid stations during ultras often have an awesome variety of food. So practicing with more quote unquote real food options is wise before you load up during the race. And maybe you've never eaten that during a long run. Be sure to know the distance between aid stations during the race so you can plan on how much fluid and fuel to carry. Um, Even if you're planning on utilizing the aid stations, it's never a wise policy to plan on them exclusively for your needs, as you found out, Trevor. And I've also had the experience of getting to what I thought was going to be my oasis in the desert and there being nothing there. So... Yeah. So when you're out in trails, it's better to be over-prepared than under-prepared, honestly. And of course, the final tip is to leave no trace. Make sure you're respectful of nature and other people when you're out on the trails. And be sure to pack out any garbage you produce and don't add to any graffiti you find. I'm always shocked when I find, 
you know, people have littered on trails. It's just another extra layer of wrong just to see trash out in nature. So make sure that you're careful when you're maybe ripping the top off a gel that it doesn't flutter out of your hands. Um, Pack it in, pack it out, and make sure you're leaving nature as good as when you found it or better. It's one thing I liked about this race. It's just so tranquil. You were pretty much by yourself running out there in the woods and no, I didn't see trash anywhere. That's awesome. Really clean. And I guess a final just bonus tip for you guys is find a good running book or movie and feed your mind with it before your race. Get yourself in a a good mental state and maybe study some of these ultra runners and just amazing feats of endurance that they have accomplished and think, well, that puts my 50K in perspective. I'm not going 100 today. I'm not going 50 miles today. This is only five miles more than a marathon. I can handle this. That's right. And if I can do it, you guys can do it. Trust me. Even if you got to walk half of it. Important thing is you cross that finish line. You went the distance and you're out there living life to its fullest. And even the aches and pains that may be a result are just another reminder that you are alive. That's right. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for being a listener. If you want to see photos from our races, head over to our website, MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. We got photos over there. Of course, if you want to send us a question, you can fire that off to us as well. We try our best to answer the questions that come in. And if you want help reaching your running goals, we've got all kinds of programs and personalized coaching from our amazing team over on our website. Uh, You can find out more about how that works. Thanks again to Drip Drop ORS for sponsoring this episode. They make an electrolyte powder developed by a doctor to treat dehydration. Find out more at dripdrop.com. Use the code MTA to get 20% off. And thanks also to UCAN, Generation UCAN, our long-time fueling sponsor. Their super starch is amazing. It'll give you consistent, stable energy in your long runs and races. Find out more at generationucan.com forward slash MTA. And use the code MTA50K for a 15% discount. Thanks so much for being a fan of the MTA podcast. It's great to be on this running journey with you. Be safe out there, especially in the heat this summer. And remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon or an ultra marathon and change your life. Bye.